0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
0: The only daily Premier League podcast.
2: This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily. The end of season running means that it is another packed show, despite being midweek with Champions League and Premier League action all on the agenda today. Manchester City and Liverpool have continued their anything you can do, I can do better. Punch for punch marathon ahead of that all-important meeting at the Etihad this weekend. City eventually 1-0 winners at home to Diego Simeone's Atletico Madrid last night. They battled, they battled, they battled, but Pep Guardiola and his side have got a crucial edge ahead of the second leg. And then on the flip side, Jurgen Klopp and his team eventually, they also had to survive a few scares away in Portugal, picked up a 3-1 win at Benfica. But As we all know, it's all building to the big one at the Etihad on Sunday. And then to wrap it up in the show, it's more European action. Defending champions Chelsea take on Real Madrid. And then we switch focus back to the day job. And it's the big one down the bottom, 17th against 19th as Everton Go to Burnley. So, plenty to get through right the way across all fronts today. My name's Fergal Brennan, and i uh, on midweek duty. We have, as always, Mr. Midweek, Ian Brannan. Ian, how are we doing?
0: Uh, yes, I'm. I'm great. Um, uh, I'm, I'm telling a lie, actually. I'm not. I don't feel very well. I've got to be honest. I'm putting it out there right now. But uh, don't you worry about me, even despite that. I'm here to represent the midweek. Wonderful stuff.
2: We're going to take it easy on Ian, because luckily uh, we have Manchester City fan Matt Pidd, who I'm fairly confident has got a lot to say about Diego Simeone, Atletico Madrid, Manchester City, Phil Foden. Haven't you, Matt?
1: You'd be right, Fergal. I have. I've got plenty to say on that one.
2: Brilliant stuff. Right. Well, Matt's got his notes put together. Uh, Ian's still going to be with us. Uh, He's just, as I say, feeling a wee bit under the weather. But he's going to be be just like a veteran. (laughs) He's going to be dipping in with some golden points. Every now and again when, when we need him. Right, so we're going to start with, uh, with Man City, Atletico. Matt, 1-0, job done in the end, just for Manchester City in the first leg. And Atletico, as I put in the notes, they Atletico'd in Manchester for, for the second time in the last month. Um, probably even more defensive, even more drilled than they were against Manchester United a couple of weeks back. But... No shots on target for Diego Simeone. He's arguably the only manager in the Champions League where that won't bother him. Um, The fact that they barely laid a glove, attacking-wise, on Manchester City because defensively they did absolutely everything right apart from conceding that one goal.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it was massive game for, for both sides last night. Um, Champions of England versus the Champions of Spain. The unstoppable force versus the immovable objects. You know, two great teams in form. Athletic was on an eight game unbeaten run going into this one, um, winning six of those eight on the bounce. Um, City going into this game unbeaten since they lost the loss to Spurs in February, which feels like a lifetime ago now. Um, both teams missing key centre halves as well. You know, Diaz for City. Jimenez for Atleti and Walker still suspended as well for City which was you know another big miss for us and uh, Yao Felix the man in form for Atleti with seven in his last eight games but the um, first half City pretty much kept all the ball um, didn't really threaten too much in terms of any real clear-cut opportunities You know the wet surface definitely suited City more in terms of how both teams like to play um, City just had to stay patient though it, it's almost as if like, Atleti was just inviting City onto them and then trying to catch them on the counter they um, looked as organised with their shape as you would expect them to the contrast between the two styles of play for them both sides was actually quite staggering to watch um, the way they defended and stayed compact was like watching an army drill almost you know it was really frustrating half of football to watch from a City point of view but um, City definitely needed to change something second half um, if they were going to break Athletic down because they didn't really test them at all but um, second half City started off lively with uh Gundawan nearly playing in Sterling who looked to have moved to a more you know central position with Bernardo going wide left, which made sense to me after the way the first half went um athletic still looked dangerous on the counter though, you know, after a couple of breaks in the first five minutes. Um City couldn't afford to fall asleep with um you know Yao Felix and Griezmann up there still. Um All Black was first into his first real save of the game from a De Bruyne-free kick and City for you know surprisingly were resorting to clever set piece routines um, seeing as creating from open play was proving pretty difficult and Laporte almost headed in from a corner as well um, and then on the hour mark Athlete surprisingly like made um, three subs on the hour with Griezmann Lorenzo and Colca all going off um, Simeone clearly wanted some fresh legs seeing as all he basically did was chase the ball around for an hour um, City then made three changes of their own on the 70th minute mark with Sterling, Gundogan and Mahrez making way for Grealish, Jesus and Foden um, something de- City definitely needed to do in terms of bringing on players who were more you know, direct and more of a test to the athletic defensive juggernaut and that pro- did prove to be the case You know, with Foden coming on making an instant impact by taking the ball and slipping through an inch perfect pass through to De Bruyne it went through uh, behind the athletic defence and he took the ball Passed our into the corner, and made it one 0 to City You know, De Bruyne a banging form at the moment in front of goal. It's his eleventh goal of the season in all competitions, and it was um, a huge moment in the tie. You felt, and you saw how much it meant to Pep. You know, to see his subs paying off straight away when he launched that water bottle. Um, Lamar then came on for Yao Felix, who didn't have much joy in the night, but worked you know incredibly hard. And he's a player who I would love to see in this city side under Guardiola. Actually, you know, he he must have been really frustrated with the way his night went and I don't know what Grealish had done or said you know, to someone of them athletic players but seemingly every time he got the ball he got booted across the park and maybe they just start fans of Gucci. I really don't know but um, <laughs> yeah he should start he should start in the second leg and maybe get three of them sent off in the first half but yeah ultimately the one goal was enough for us on the night you know it's only half time in a tie we know that but it's a huge win in the context of the games we've got coming next and we stayed patient where it was incredibly frustrating against the side that our shit hours are personified basically and uh, they didn't come to win the game, we knew that that was coming but City could have lost their cool but they didn't, uh, they stayed patient and a special mention to Nathan Ake who I thought was one of the best players on the park for City last night at left back you know, he was cool every time he was forced into anything, it was a real mature performance from him and obviously plus forward who came on and showed his class when he came off the bench and changed the game with his dribbling and his vision and also Pep proved that he doesn't always overthink in the big European games you know by making the right changes at the right time um, it was a proper battle of tactics on the big stage which Pep won and so it's also the first time in the last 10 years that a team hasn't attempted a single shot in a match in the Champions League. So that's testament to the way City concentrated. Uh, yeah, the two teams, definitely a reflection of their respective coaches. Um, a great start to the biggest four games in our season so far. On to the Scousers on Sunday, now bring it on.
2: Obviously, Phil Foden made the difference in the end. Um, Ian, as Matt said there, the substitutions late in the game were needed and they did make it, make the impact that was that was necessary Kevin De Bruyne got the goal but it was Phil Foden's little run brilliant little change of feet just to flick it in that when you're playing against massed ranks in defence as Atletico do where they've got a back five they've got a midfield that's pushed right back to offer an extra bit of support you need something bit of magic bit of speed bit of something to, uh, to change the game and unsurprisingly Phil Foden was the focus post-match in terms of interviews and loads of comments floating around about him so I just want to read a couple of them Rio Ferdinand made a very odd one so I'm going to start with him, where he said 90% of players who come off the bench in a big game don't do anything. I don't know if I fully agree with that one, Rio, but I think I see the point that you're trying to make. Yeah.
0: Is that an actual fact? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah,
2: I think he's just, I think Rio thought, you know, oh, I've got to say something that sounds kind of impactful. But he, he kind of, roughly, you get what he's trying to say. Guardiola was a bit more clear and a bit more concise than than Rio Ferdinand. He said, Phil is a special talent. We know that. He's got a real quality to change games. The space that he creates and the space that he exploits is is fantastic. Great composure. And he's made a vital assist to Kevin De Bruyne. Strangely, Julian Lescott actually made the point that I want to really ask you about. Because he kind of went one further than than Rio Ferdinand. And he said, Phil Foden impacts any game that he plays on. And now we're seeing him impacting big, big games. He definitely has to start on Sunday against Liverpool. He's a big part of where City are this season. And for me, if he continues at this rate, he's going to go down as the best English player of all time. Now, that's a big, big piece of pressure to throw on Phil Foden's shoulders. But the way he's playing, the team he's playing in, how dominant Manchester City are... There is some logic to that.
0: Well, just looking at um, a little fact here that um, in the Champions League, in the history of the Champions League for English clubs, Phil Foden has provided more assists than any other Englishman um, under the age of 21. Uh, So at this stage in his career, um, he is the best. Of of all time so far in terms of assists for his club um, under 21. The uh, the only player who's ahead of him is Cesc Fabregas. So you know he's in he's in sort of esteemed company there with um, uh, just. FYI, so he's done seven assists. Uh, Theo Walcott with six, Raheem Sterling with five, Trent Alexander-Arnold with five as well. So that's the company that he's in. So you would say that maybe fast-forwarding through the uh, through the the years, that there's reason to believe that he could be. One of the greatest English players of all time. If he, if he keeps going on, there's the a long way to on, go yet. Well, though. there is, and, and of course there is. what we don't we don't know is the answer, do we? Because we can sit back in in twenty years from now and 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 have this conversation. He's got the potential um, because he's he's doing it. You know, his stats and everything add up to be on that kind of form that a player who's going to reach those heights. And that's a big statement, as you say, to be the greatest English player of all time. Um, but his stats at this stage in his career support that. Um, but obviously he's got to keep got to keep going and there's a lot of things that can happen between now and then.
2: So much of this is framed within the context of Sunday, Matt, so I just want to get your, your take on that. We're going to do a couple of predictions a little bit later on, but Pep Guardiola did make some changes from the, from the Burnley game at the weekend. Phil Foden, who started, obviously came on last night to, to get that assist for... For Kevin De Bruyne, Kyle Walker's uh, European suspension is now finished, but obviously he would be eligible to play in a, in a domestic game anyway. It does look like Ruben, uh, Ruben Diaz is going to miss out, which means that it's going to be either John Stones, Nathan Ake, or, or Aymeric Laporte at centre-back against Liverpool. Possibly one or two changes in midfield. Looking at the starting team from last night, eight, nine, ten starters against Liverpool?
1: Yeah you think so um, I think Gundogan Has to start in that game um, I just love the calmness That he brings To the game I just think That he's it, it, the, the way the way he gets the ball The way he just dictates the play the Just his, his overall Sort of like Effect on the way The team just has The ball in the midfield And the way they play it around I think we're going to need A lot of that against Liverpool um, Obviously Players like Bernardo Gonna to have to start. Foden for me has to start. Um, I'm sort of like 50/50 on Grealish at the moment because I don't know what we're gonna be doing up top. Mares as well, another one that's gonna to have to start. Um, obviously, the way Liverpool and Athletic play are two completely different beasts. So yeah, it's just it's gonna be a ba- another battle of styles. But City need to go for the jugular against Liverpool on Sunday. At the end of the day, we're the ones at top of the league. We're the ones that can go four points clear and we need to take that opportunity. We're at home as well. And the way we played against them at Anfield earlier in the season, I think City will take um, great confidence in that because arguably we were the better side and should have won that game. So and Liverpool as well, obviously in great form, got the win last night, great form in the league. Um, testament to the way they've been over the last few months or so through um, winning the games in hand that they had and you know putting the pressure on us. Yeah, um, whatever team starts against Liverpool... On Sunday, I'll be confident with. Um, so it's it, I, the way it's um, li, the way Liverpool play. We know what Liverpool are going to come and do to us. So um, who, whoever they start and stuff like that doesn't really concern me too much. What concerns me is the way we are and who we play. And um, yeah, we'll see on Sunday.
2: Very quickly before we take a break, I, I've got a question that I have to ask a Man City fan because it was bugging me last night. Fernandinho's club captain. I thought Kevin De Bruyne was next in line. Why is Ilkay Gundogan captain when De Bruyne is on the pitch? Have I missed something there?
1: I don't know. Maybe it's something that they've just discussed in the change room. Like I said about Gundogan at the start of what we were just talking about, he just seems to bring this sort of calmness to the uh, to the team that I don't see from any other player. His heart, I don't, his heart, his heart rate must be below like, a certain number when now the pressure's on. Because honestly, when when I see the pressure on him, it just doesn't like anything phases him. Nothing seems to phase him, and he's got the experience in the big games. I mean we've seen him play in Champions League finals for Borussia Dortmund and stuff like that he actually scored in that game against Bayern Munich from the penalty spot but he's he's a a player that's came in he was Pep Guardiola's first signing for the club and he was injured at the time as well he had really really bad knee injuries when he came to sitter, and he seems to have sort of shut that off now and he's become one of Man City's most important players and I remember a couple of years ago when City fans didn't like him at all, they didn't want him in the team. They was all slagging him off, and then obviously he had that season last season where he was our like top goal scorer and one of our most creative players. So it's a it's a massive turnaround for Ilkay, and it's testament to Pep and the faith that he's shown in him, and it's testament to Ilkay and the the effort that he's putting for the team.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just I just thought that was a bit of a, a random one because then later on in the game when he got subbed off, De Bruyne had the, the armband on and I thought, I've, I've, what was I imagining things there? But as you say, these little tiny decisions, conversations that, that go on in the dressing room probably do decide these... Uh, these things right we're going to grab a quick break here on football social daily manchester city in the bag 1-0 win against atletico madrid after the break it's liverpool anything man city do at the moment liverpool are determined to do or do one better 3-1 win away at benfica we're going to be delving into that and looking ahead to the red side ahead of the big one on sunday at the etihad football's social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an
1: episode judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com
0: it's my little escape
1: now judy's the life of the party
0: oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon
1: whoa take it easy judy
2: Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Wednesday's edition of the Football Social Daily Champions League review mode. Part one, Atletico Madrid. Tried everything. Parked the bus. Simeone lay down on the ground at one stage, I think. But in the end, Manchester City 1-0 win at the Etihad to give themselves a big, big boost ahead of facing Liverpool on Sunday and ...the second leg in Madrid. Right, so we're going to flick across to Liverpool. Ian, they were in Champions League action as well last night. 3-1 win away at Benfica. Bit more straightforward than City at home to Atletico. They did have a few scares. Darwin Nunez got a goal, potentially had a bit of a penalty shout. But this was a very Liverpool away from home... ...in the Champions League type performance where they are tested but the class and the quality that they've got, particularly in certain positions, the fullback areas, the front three, really told. And Jurgen Klopp's got some thinking to do ahead of Sunday.
0: Yeah, I mean, fairly routine win, really, in the end, wasn't it? I mean, they made it look easy. Didn't really have to go all out for their victory. And, of course, yes, they did have some nervy moments or, or what have you. But, you know, look at the scoreline. That's all that matters. And a 3-1 win, that's a, a nice, healthy lead to have. And um, they'll be happy with that because, ultimately, their, their main focus, as you say, is the the game at the weekend against Man City. So much more riding on that than, uh, than, than this match at the moment. Um, and... Yeah, did it at a canter really. Um not I mean, yeah. Um Jurgen Klopp has got some choices to make now, but um but I think he'll be fairly satisfied, you know. It's out of the way. They've got uh, a two-goal lead which he must be chuffed out for the next um, the next leg of this this tie. And um yeah, all focus now on the big one at the weekend which is um, you know, as I say that that really, you know, titles are won at Easter they say and coming into the Easter break. That match against Man City couldn't have come at a more opportune time, really. And I think Liverpool and Man City is uh, is going to be a great clash. But um, I think we we will probably see a slightly stronger Liverpool side, I dare say, at, at the weekend. It's it's going to be a great match. Strangely,
2: similarly to the situation with City against Atletico, Liverpool away at Benfica last night, Matt was decided by the players that are not guaranteed to play. On Sunday, Phil Foden coming off the bench to set up Kevin De Bruyne's winner for Manchester City. And then Liverpool, you've got Ibrahim you who got the first goal. I think it was his first goal in the Champions League. Luis Diaz getting himself an assist. He didn't play at the weekend in the Premier League. And then the big stat before the game, which was Naby Keita, Thiago Alcantara and Fabinho starting as a midfield three for the first time ever. So Jürgen Klopp c- clearly looking to refresh and rotate and one eye on the weekend, even though he's not going to admit that pre-game. When you look at this type of performance and you've got players that are probably 12 to 18 in the squad, they're not necessarily first choice, first 11 for Sunday. Does this give you a little bit of cause for concern? Because it also means you're not 100% on the team that Jurgen Klopp is going to pick and their power off the bench, while Cities is excellent, is also potent.
1: Exactly. City and Liverpool have got the best two squads in the league. That's why they are where they are now, and the way the two managers use them as well is testament to those. Um, whoever Liverpool start on Sunday will cause City problems. Like I said, um, Jota didn't even start last night. He's one of Liverpool's biggest threats, especially like from like crosses and stuff like that. He's, I mean, his heading ability is absolutely ridiculous. I think he's one of the most underrated sort of. He's not a traditional centre forward, but forward players in the league um, Luis Diaz we've seen like the explosive pace that he can bring and he's actually played against us at the Etihad before Luis Diaz and scored against us for Porto so maybe he'll have that in the back of his mind like as a sort of like you know I've done it before I'll do it again kind of thing um, we all know what Marnie and Salah will do um, there was no Henderson last night he's Liverpool's you know, mm-hmm. main man in the midfield captain um, sets the tempo I expect him to start ahead of Cater on Sunday Um, I I expect Mm -hmm. Fabinho to be in the team and expect to um, Thiago to be in the team just because of the the, the calmness to bring on the ball. Um, I don't know about Canate. canate's actually done pretty well for Liverpool this season alongside Van Dyke. But I mean, any really like even when Joe Gomez played alongside Van Dyke, it's Van Dyke, isn't it? He's he's the one that sort of brings mm. the calmness to Liverpool's back four. Um, he can bring the best out of any sort of central partner that he's with. And obviously, you know, Alexander Arnold and you know um, Andy Robertson are going to start. You know, barring anything happening in training in midweek. Um, um, now whoever Liverpool start on Sunday you're going to cause City problems it's just how City deal with those problems that's going to count um, Pep will already obviously have ideas of his squad for Sunday obviously barring anything that happens midweek as well um, it's just going to be an interesting clash um, I'm confident I'm confident we can do it I'm confident because of our. we've already been to Anfield this season and shown what we can do um, City obviously without an out and out centre forward it hasn't really hindered us this season. There's been games where it's not gone our way and it's cropped up, but last night again we didn't have a natural centre forward and we beat one of the toughest teams to beat in the world. Never mind, you know Europe. It's the world. Athletic are like one of the best teams in in the world defensively. So if we can get past them, we can get past any team. So I think we can do it Sunday. It just all depends on the day. All depends on what goes for us, what goes against us.
2: We're going to do a quick prediction before we wrap up for part two. But Ian, I want to flick back to you on this this idea of a selection, um, not necessarily problem or dilemma for Jurgen Klopp because it's the old adage of a good problem or a fantastic problem to have. Joel Matip, you'd expect, probably will come in for Kanati at centre-half to partner Van Dijk in, in the regular back four. Jordan Henderson, as, as Matt mentions, probably going to rotate back into the midfield. He's, he's club captain. He's really, really important for Klopp in these big games. So the real call is, is probably going to come up top and it's between Diogo, Jota and Luis Diaz. Diaz started last night, got himself an assist and he's he's been excellent since he's joined Liverpool in January. He's so busy, he's got lots of quality on the ball, he can take people on, he can create chances, score goals. And then you've got Diogo Jota who just seems to have this nuclear-powered spring in his boots where he can out-jump a six-and-a-half-foot central defender and knock in a header. He's he's busy, he scores goals, he links well with, with Mane and Salah. If you're Klopp looking at City and looking at how Atletico operated last night, where are you going with this because the pace of Griezmann and Felix which would be maybe akin to what Diaz looks to do didn't land enough of a punch on City, but Jota presents a different problem that can cause a different set of problems.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at the lineup from last night, I, I do fancy that Diaz will start. Um, you know, he, he provided an assist, he scored a goal. Would you really want to just bench that player after after, as you say, you know, uh, a decent performance against Benfica? I think he will be involved. He seems to be becoming more and more a key part of this current Liverpool side. Um, I think Jota provides. Um, a bit of chaos from the bench, you know. He's been put on sort of after the hour mark, uh, and I think for that last half hour of the game, he can be a bit of a handful, you know, for defenders that are starting to, you know, not not tire out entirely, but, you know, they've been on there for an hour, they've, they've gone through their paces. To have a, a live wire like that around is, is difficult to play against, so maybe he's keeping him as a trump card. I fancy people like Jordan Henderson to be in the starting lineup, Um and... Um, who else is there Firmino maybe to be involved as well perhaps um, from the start but I, d- I don't think dropping Diaz would be something I would do but um, I'm not Jurgen Klopp uh, and there's another number of re- ways I can prove that <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, he's not just, uh, you know, you're listening to this as an audio only podcast Uh, Ian is definitely not Jurgen Klopp right, we're going to do predictions, we've been kind of putting it off, but obviously you guys are not on again between now and the weekend Matt, I'm 99.9% confident I know how you're going to go so we'll go with you first, this is massive, it could decide the title or it might not decide the title, it could be a damp squib and then the remaining games between now and the end of the campaign will decide whether City hold on to the title or Liverpool take it off them, so give us your prediction for this weekend
1: oh you've put me right on the pressure here on you I don't know when we do predictions 2-1 City
2: 2-1 City right yeah. okay and as, a, as an added extra 2-1 City 4 points clear do City defend the title
1: yeah absolutely okay. 100% nice once, we're, once we're 4 points clear I think that Pep won't let it go Pep, Pep will, uh, will go on and um, do the business
2: no he's let, he's let 14 points get ebbed away but fair enough um Ian, I'm I'm actually very interested because you don't have a horse in the race. You're not a particular big fan of either of these teams uh, going on to win the title. It is going to be one of them. It's either going to be at Anfield or at, at the Etihad Stadium next season. So your call for how it's going to go down and how it'll uh, impact the title race.
0: Do you know what? I'm going to throw a curveball in. I'm going to say it's going to be a draw and it's going to get dragged out yet further. That We're all expecting this to be the match that's going to decide it, that's going to give one of these teams a big advantage. I'm not saying it's going to be a bad match. I think it will be exciting. You know, you could have a last-minute winner or something like that. You know, it could be a classic. Um, but I don't know I'm going for like 2-2 or something I, I I I just fancy that there's so much riding on it it's going to be a bit nervy both teams are, are really great teams obviously they're both the top two teams in the, in the Premier League at the moment and I think there's no splitting them I think it's going to be a draw and I think it's going to go on and the title will be decided at some weird fixture like I don't know Liverpool against Southampton or Man City against Crystal Palace or, or whatever something like that where they'll you know there'll be a slip up or something further in the season um not that there's long to go of course but yeah I'm going for a draw I think it'd be an exciting match I think it'd be a real thriller um but uh yeah I, I think there's a there's a few twists in the title race yet.
2: Yeah, Ian, you've you've completely mirrored pretty much exactly what I was going to say. I'm going for a draw as well. I think maybe one all. Um, I think it will be nervy. I think it, there's so much on the line, but there's been so much building up. This game's been built up since before Christmas as deciding the title, even when Man City had this big, massive lead. But I do agree that there's still a long way to go. You want to be playing teams with nothing to play for, and that's not the case with, with Liverpool and Man City. They've got some tricky games between now and, uh, and the end of the season. The one little bit that I would throw in is I almost guarantee, if anyone wants to take this bet now, there'll be a massive VAR controversy something will happen either a penalty or a red card or something like that there'll be a huge VAR call and that'll be the big talking point after the game but yeah
1: draw well Liverpool fans are already fuming that Anthony Taylor's um, the referee because he's from Altrincham Cause that really means something, doesn't it? You know what I mean. Apparently, he's in a family full of Man United fans, and Taylor but <laughs> Liverpool fans are Liverpool fans are already starting to try and um, needle out these little conspiracy theories. So yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm
0: gonna say Liverpool have got to face uh, Man United twice yet as well. You know, another big local derby. Uh, they play Man United on the very last day. Is that right? 12th no, no, of July. No. What's that? Why is that on the fixture list? Man I think, United, you're, having a, I I think, think you're having a fever dream there. The la- uh, <laughs> they've got wolves on the last game.
2: They've got wolves on the last. They got wolves on the last game of the season. They do play United before the end of the season, but only once in the league.
0: Yeah, you know, it just says on Google, Man United, Liverpool. And I just read the date, 12th of July, 2022. I think it, might have, uh, oh, it right. might have been the
1: one that got cancelled. Might have been the one that got cancelled. stuck
0: it in yet. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, they've got to play Man United on the 19th of April around Easter. Then they've got Everton, another big local derby. You know, there's some big um, potential banana skins there. I mean, you know, for both sides, you know, Man City have got some big games to come up as well. So there's many twists yet to come, um, even regardless of the result. Um, this weekend and of course Man City and Liverpool get to do it all again in the FA Cup yeah, yeah.
2: This I just I just agree. I think there's still too much road left to go. Uh, as for the referees and VAR controversy, we'll just have to pick it up next week. If um, if Jordan Anderson batters Jack Grealish over the head with his Gucci bag and the referee doesn't do anything about it, then we can, <laughs> we can pick that up and there'll be a, there'll be definitely some VAR checks on that uh, Gucci to death. That'll be a, that'll be Jack Grealish's headline. Right. We're gonna call it a day for part two. After the break, we're going from review mode into preview mode. Two massive games tonight. One in the Champions League. Chelsea up against Real Madrid and then one in the Premier League. Forget about the red side of Merseyside with Liverpool gunning for honours. It is crunch time for Everton down the bottom. They go to Burnley looking to boost their chances of staying in the Premier League. We're going to be looking to both of those games in just a sec. Football's social daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily, Wednesday edition, Premier League and Champions League action on the agenda today. And as always on the Football Social Daily, we are here every single day, a daily Premier League podcast. If you hit subscribe up the top, you can get access to a brand new episode as soon as it is ready. It's going to be a cracker between now and the end of the season and we'll be with you every step of the way right final Champions League game that we're looking at is a preview for tonight Matt and it's Chelsea against Real Madrid and strangely because Manchester City and Liverpool toe to toe in the Champions League and in the Premier League. This has lost a little bit of focus um in terms of looking ahead to, to Champions League games this week, but it's, it's genuinely a massive game. You've got the defending Champions League holders against the most successful team in the history of the competition. Big news before the game is that Carlo Ancelotti is in London. He returned a negative COVID-19 test last night, so he flew in uh, this morning to help with the preparations. And Chelsea are having their problems. We know this. Tuchel is firefighting. Every press conference, he says, stop asking me questions about the ownership. I'm not a politician. I don't have any answers for you. Leave me alone. And he's got a point because he clearly doesn't know. But there's not really any update on the buyouts. Top four spot is potentially under threat. Big shock win against Brent... uh, Shock defeat, I should say, to Brentford at the weekend. They probably will have enough to hold on to top four with Arsenal and Spurs and United not all putting putting enough consistency together. But this is a big, big game for them because they are the defending champions. And despite all the issues that are going on, Tuchel's only hope to get to the end of the season is create a siege mentality. It's us against the world. Go out and win this game.
1: Yeah, you do have to feel for Tuchel in that respect because we've seen it in the last few weeks. Some of the questions he's had to face have been absolutely ridiculous. And like you said, it's he doesn't know. It's not his job to know these kind of things. His job is to manage Chelsea Football Club on the pitch. You know, anything else that goes on off the pitch is you know beyond his beyond his power. So. I don't know what these journalists are doing wasting the time really because he's never going to answer the questions um, but it'll be a nice distraction from the Premier League for Tuchel tonight I feel obviously playing in big European ties like this is completely different to playing Brentford at home obviously it was a shock defeat like you mentioned there Fergal Um obviously 4-1 at home to Brentford no one seen that coming but you know it's, it's, it's been a difficult you know few weeks for Chelsea and like you said it seems like no one wants that top four at the moment with United um, Spurs Arsenal all seem to just like keep dropping points here there and everywhere um, but Chelsea will be confident tonight obviously home advantage but Real Madrid like you said record European champions um, coming off the back of a 2-1 win over weekend against Celta Vigo the 12 points clearing the Liga so it looks like it's already done and dusted for them up there and they'll want to make it I think it would be 14 times if they win it this, this season won't it so you know there's a there's a lot riding on it for both, both sides Chelsea want to defend their crown as well um, yeah Chelsea just need to go into this game take it one game at a time like I said a couple of weeks ago because Obviously, we don't know uh, what Chelsea are going to turn up. It seems to be sort of like Jacqueline Hyde for them at the moment. We know the quality they've got. We know that they can do it on the big games in Europe because we've seen it last season. They weren't necessarily the best team in the competition, but they turned up when it mattered. And obviously, having Stamford Bridge crowd there tonight will be a massive thing for them because they didn't have that the whole last season. Um, yeah, big game against Real Madrid tonight. What more could you be up for? If you're if you're a Chelsea player and you're not up for this tonight and there's something wrong they have to put that game to bed against Brentford that's in the past now Tuchel will have already said that to the players he already said it's done with now focus on this game because at the end of the day these kind of games can sort of like springboard you know your season in terms of um, in terms of the league obviously going off that defeat against Brentford it's not going to be sort of like in, in the back of their minds now but going into the next game in the league, if they beat Real Madrid convincingly, then that can springboard the rest of their season. Like you said, we don't know if their uh, top four status is actually guaranteed, because at one point, we we had a Chelsea-Liverpool City title race, and now all of a sudden, Chelsea are being sucked down to this top four debate. So Tuchel just want to get a decent performance in tonight and get um, a decent result going into the weekend and a decent result going into the uh, second leg at the Bernabeu.
2: Ironically, last season, Ian, the maybe not the turning point but the the moment where we realised Chelsea are real serious contenders to win the Champions League was the semi-final against Real Madrid because they cruised through the group they were unbeaten then in the knockout stages pretty comfortable against Atletico Madrid and then past Porto in the quarter-finals but Their performance against Madrid, particularly when we saw Liverpool struggled against Madrid in the quarterfinals, tactically Thomas Tuchel got it absolutely spot on, exposed what is a ridiculously talented Real Madrid midfield, but an ageing one. Mason Mount, I remember, was was absolutely excellent across both legs. So they do have that in the back of their mind, that they are one of the very few teams that in a huge European game, you don't beat Real Madrid in huge European games very often, but they did it last season and they did it with, with a bit to spare and then obviously went on to to clinch the Champions League, sorry, Matt, and, and beat Manchester right. City in the in the final. Tuchel needs to kind of maybe rattle the shield a little bit and say, last season we did this. Real Madrid, ironically, again, a little bit like Atletico Madrid, but in a different way. We know what we're going to get from them. That midfield three, super amounts of experience. Karim Benzema's fantastic. He's been brilliant for them this season. Chelsea know what's coming. It's on them to now react and make sure they're ready for this.
0: Yeah, an an element of revenge perhaps in mind for Real Madrid as well, but I would say that the Real Madrid this year arguably are a more solid unit than the Real Madrid of last year, you know they're they're currently twelve points clear at the top of La Liga. There's only eight games remaining there, so they're on course for the for the title in Spain. And then obviously they want to follow that up with uh, with more silverware. And you know it's been a long time since Real Madrid have really dominated the Champions League. We've seen you know we've seen some embarrassing results over the last five or ten years for for Real Madrid sometimes. And they're not this powerhouse or haven't been this powerhouse um, all the time that that we know that they can be. You know going back twenty years or. So where they were pretty much undefeatable, Um, maybe getting back there now in the current form, um, you know, they they, they, uh, did Paris Saint-Germain in the last round, um, but of course they were knocked out by Chelsea last year. So we know that Chelsea, we know Chelsea because they're they're current champions, that that Chelsea are going to be a really strong test for Real Madrid. But I just think that with everything that's going on off the pitch at Chelsea as well, that Real Madrid are probably in a slightly better place at this moment in time.
2: Before we move on, give us a prediction for this one, Matt. Chelsea at home to, to Real Madrid, Champions League quarter final first leg. Go for it.
0: I'm
1: gonna go one, one. one, one. It's one, gonna be, be a tight affair. It's it's gonna be a tight affair. It's gonna be a cagey affair. And um, yeah, I just think it's gonna be a close game, one 0
0: Ian, give it to us. What are you going for? I'm gonna go one 0 Real Madrid. But yeah, like Matt says, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be tight. Not gonna be much given away. Two very de- defensive teams. But yeah, again, it'd be a good watch.
2: Uh, yeah, I'm going to go one-all as well. Um, and then I think I think Real Madrid will have too much for them in the second leg. And particularly if they've got the title wrapped up by then, or, or certainly on the verge of getting it wrapped up, and then Ancelotti can just focus on, on the Champions League. But I think then stretching it, stretch it out to the semi-finals and the final, I think Liverpool and, and Man City will probably have a bit too much for them. Right, let's wrap up with the only Premier League show in town, Ian and it's a big one. It might not be the most exciting, but it's a big one. Burnley against Everton. This is a humdinger, six-pointer, all the clichés that you want to throw out there. This is massive. Big news before the game for both of them is that they're missing key defenders. Michael Keane is suspended after getting sent off at West Ham last weekend. And Burnley captain Ben Mee is out with a knee problem. Seamus Coleman, Fabian Delph are both back in the Everton squad, but Yeri Mina is not. Alan probably not going to make it. And Donny van der Beek is also injured. So... There's very little to separate them in terms of form. We know the situation. They're both down there. They're both struggling. And they both need something positive to kickstart themselves. But looking at the numbers, it's not going to be a thriller. Now, Burnley have won more Premier League games against Everton than any other team in the Premier League. Four wins... That's not a fantastic record, and it's a very Burnley record. But the big number for me is that there's been 28 goals scored in the Premier League at Turf Moor this season, comfortably the lowest. Burnley don't score a lot of goals. Everton don't score a lot of goals. Turf Moor doesn't see a lot of goals. Nil-nil.
0: Could well be. Um, as a Leeds United fan, I would like them both to lose, ideally. Um, but uh, clearly, <laughs> I don't know if we can arrange
2: that, Ian. I know you're not feeling one. Well. I'd love to do that for you, but I don't. <laughs> but know clearly, we can do
0: that. clearly that's not possible. Um, yeah, um, I, I don't know what you would pick out of this. I mean, Everton are really low on confidence as well as everything else. Um, You know, if they're going to turn their season around, it needs to start here. Um, I'm not sure if this is one of the games in hand that Burnley have got over the teams above them. Perhaps it is, Um, but um, yeah, I I don't. When you've got other games such as um, Chelsea, Real Madrid, and things like that going on tonight, Burnley versus Everton really doesn't wet the appetite in the same way. I've got to say, Um, it'll be um, it'll it'll be a a, a classic, good old British football match. 22 guys elbowing each other in the face for 90 minutes. Um, Yeah, that's probably where we're going to be at. (laughs) Probably like 0-0, 1-1, hopefully, something like that. Uh, uh, But Everton, you know, Everton are getting into that, you know, position of being on the slippery slope. You know, time's starting to run out for them. They're not getting the results. The pressure, I would say, is more on Everton than it is on Burnley. Burnley have been here before. You know, if Burnley go down, they'll be like, well... You know, we've got plenty of money in the bank, we'll we'll come straight back up and they'll absolutely storm the championship next season if they did get relegated. Everton though, well for Everton to go down, they're not used to that kind of football. You know, and Everton could be in a, a Leeds United esque situation and and if they go down they could be down there for a bit.
2: Let's look at the picture down the bottom of the table, Matt, because it is still super, super tight. Ian, you're not going to thank me for this, but Leeds are still in it. 31 games played, 30 points. Everton, 28 games, 25 points. Watford, 30 played, 22 points. And then Burnley, 28. They do have a couple of games in hand, but they've only got 21 points on the board and the focus strangely for this one is probably going to be more on the two benches than on the pitch. Frank Lampard against Sean Dyche. Frank Lampard I think it's fair to say he's, he's scrabbling around, he's trying to grab onto something anything he can to keep Everton in the Premier League and keep them out of the relegation zone. Whereas Sean Dyche Every interview, he's there, his tie is nice and neat, his head is nicely polished, he's not panicking at all. We've been in this situation before, we know where we are, we can look at the table, we see the games in hand, and I'm still confident. And I've seen him, I think it was after the Chelsea game, when they lost 4-0 at home, and they were they were just nowhere in the match. He just stood there in his press conference and went, I'm not panicking, you don't need to panic. And that could be decisive here, because Frank Lampard is panicking. He doesn't. He's never been in this situation before. It is a little bit old hat to say Sean Dyche has and thus he'll just sprinkle a bit of his Burnley magic and they'll get out of it. But the two styles are contrasting and what you actually need in this type of situation is what Deich is doing.
1: Yeah, I think that um, pretty much boils down to I think if Deich gets relegated, I think he knows his job's safe. But if Lampard obviously takes Everton down, it would it be the first time that Everton ever been relegated in their history. Am I right, Fergal? I'm sure it's, you and, it's them and Arsenal that have never been relegated. Yeah, yeah, from definitely the
2: pre- from the Premier League. Right, right. I oh, I'm check. just
1: uh, I've heard it before I'm sure. Right, okay, right. Um but yeah, th- I think that's that would be like something that Lampard would never want in his CV. The only manager to ever take Everton down, you know, that would be devastating for him personally. And I have a soft spot for Frank Lampard because you know, City legend, sorry Chelsea fans. He is a City legend. He finished his career at City, you know, in the Premier League. Um so I'd, I'd like to see him keep Everton up and Burnley for me have stayed in the Premier League for far too long I'm sorry Burnley fans if you're listening but I think yous need to go back down to the Championship and um, yeah spend a season or two down there and then maybe come back up maybe do something like a Norwich City or something like that um, yeah, We it's about time we had something new in the Premier League rather than having to go to Turf more and see you know 28 goals scored there all season and um,
0: it's um, it, something new, like uh, like Fulham or Bournemouth Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, hopefully, hopefully, Luton Town. That's who I want to come up. That's who, who I am rooting for in a Championship because obviously we know the top two places are pretty much done with, there aren't they? So I'm hoping Luton Town come up and um, shake things up a little bit. But no, it's um, it's it's a tough one because he's took this job Lampard and. He, he, knew, he, he knew what he was he was taking on we've seen it under Benitez how toxic the atmosphere was how unhappy the fans were I don't think it, he knew it was ever going to get worse but the results the way they've gone for, and it's not just been the results i think it's been the manner of the performances as well i think what the everton fans demand is the performances and if the results don't come then it's just one of those things the results will come eventually as long as the performances are there but it's when you just see the lackluster just like the body language of the players then i think that's when panic starts to set in amongst the everton faithful and we all know they're not scared to voice their opinion and obviously like I said die is pretty comfortable there at Burnley he's like he's been here before like you said Fergal and he probably knows his job's still safe in the bank if um, Burnley go down because you know what a better manager to do it than Sean Dyson to go to the championship he knows the championship very well he's been there and done it before it's his style of football if you want to say that Lampard it's the unknown isn't it that's what he's probably fearing in that respect is he going to get another job after this because well obviously he's, he's, he's had it at Chelsea and it didn't really work out the way he wanted to there obviously at Derby County yeah he has done it in the Championship but it was a little bit different he was taking a team from the Championship um, into the playoffs of the, the Premier League but if he went down with Everton and he stayed there then I'd find it in very hard for him to to get out of that league we all know it's notoriously difficult to get out of the championship and like you said Everton don't know it Everton aren't aware of what the championship's actually like so yeah it's an absolutely huge game for both sides tonight I think what Everton have got on their side is obviously games in hand obviously the the behind your club's leads Ian and you know Mm. they've played like three games less than you's and they're only five points you know behind so I'm sure you'll be looking at this tonight hoping for a draw or a Burnley win
0: No, no, it's hard to know who you want to. You know, I think a draw probably is the best result in many ways, although that, you know, just knocks an extra point on. I think, to be honest, if Leeds can get another win in the next few weeks, uh, another win and another draw, I reckon that that'll be pretty much it. Um, And it it will be um, three from from the four that, that are at the bottom. So it is, you know, a win for Burnley gives them hope of getting out of the bottom three and a loss for Everton Puts them in real danger. Considering some of the sides they've got to play against, uh, like Liverpool, for example, puts them at real danger of, of ending up in the bottom bottom three. So um, nobody's going to get saved or relegated tonight. But you know this could be a turning point in that. You know, because Leeds are getting closer to to probably being technically safe or you'd think safe, and you know a lot certainly a loss for Everton tonight very much drags them into it big time.
2: I can confirm, I've been checking this while you've been talking, Everton have never been relegated from the Premier League, but they have been relegated from the old First Division twice, Uh, despite having Dixie Dean in the team in 1930, they were relegated, and then they were relegated again from the First Division in 1951, came back in 1955, but my favourite part about this, and Ian, you're definitely going to like this, Dixie Dean, we all know the name, Everton legend, but the guy that was top goal scorer when they got relegated in 1951 was James McLaughlin McIntosh. And according to Wikipedia, oh. he was a professional footballer described as fast, stocky and strong. Now, if that isn't 22 blokes kicking a leather ball around, then I don't know what is. <laughs> I, I thought you'd like that. Dixie Dean, everyone knows Dixie Dean, but let, uh, let the Football Social Daily tell you about the name James McLaughlin McIntosh. I'm going to remember that one forever. Right, before we call it a day... Um, predict this one for us Matt it's massive down the bottom for both of them and as you say a win particularly for Everton you look at this and if Everton win that then puts a nice healthy slice of of daylight between themselves and the bottom three it means six points clear Burnley would still have a game on hand on on some of the teams down there but if Burnley can do it they then put a real squeeze on Everton and Lampard
1: yeah um, I'm going to go 3-1 Everton tonight I think Everton should have a little bit too much for him
2: oof Okay. Um put, putting your Leeds hat on or maybe taking your Leeds hat off, Ian. How are you going for
0: this? Uh, yeah, I mean it could well be a nil-nil, got to be honest. Mm. Um, let's go one-one. Let's throw a bit of excitement in there. <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: I'm definitely not going as exciting as three-one, and I even think one-all is is too much to get the heart racing. I'm going nil-nil, maybe one-one-all, but I fully think this could be 0-0 Sean Dyche should be absolutely chuffed with that, and and Frank Lampard just just there'll be another wrinkle across the forehead, be another joke serious joke serious interview afterwards. Um, <laughs> and I think I think the relegation battle still got a long way to go, and I still think there's a couple of teams that could get could get sucked back down into it because there's a, there's a fair bit of road. still to to run right we're going to wrap it up for today's edition of the Football Social Daily as always on Wednesdays Matt and Ian thanks so much for your time nice one Thank you. Brilliant stuff. Uh, The guys will be back tomorrow on Thursday's edition, reviewing Chelsea against Real Madrid, reviewing the thriller that is Burnley against Everton. I'm saying all this now. It'll be 10-10 and I'll I'll look ridiculous. Um, Obviously, there's European (laughs) action to build up to Europa Conference League and Europa League later this week and then building up to a big, big return for the Premier League this weekend. Thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you again very, very soon.